I want to share with you this morning, um, not a sermon. You know, I don't really have sermons. I have lifestyles. And I have things that I live around the world. I have things that have kept me alive around the world. I have things that have, that have caused miracles to happen around the world. I, I, I have lifestyles that, that I've had to live to, to, uh, to have miracles, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, to, to do that sort of thing. You know, around the world right now, in different countries around the world, there's literally a knock at the door. People are knocking on the door. And when they come and answer the door, there's these guys in black mask and black clad, black clothes with a, with a, a knife in their belt, an automatic weapon in their hand and they say are you a christian are you a christian are you a christian and the people know that if they answer yes they're a christian they're going to be killed their wife's going to be killed their children are going to be killed they're actually beheading children they're actually beheading children and don't get me started on why in the world the united states and in england and germany and the western world is not doing something about this it is beyond me to, to understand how that can even work. But nevertheless, uh, many of them say, no, I'm not a Christian, just to save their lives because they know that they know they're going to be killed. They know their babies are going to be killed. They know their wife's going to be killed. But others are just simply saying, no, I'm a Christian, knowing that they're all going to die. Now, my question is, my question is about those precious people, those precious, some are martyrs, some are just murdered. My question is, where are they going to church? What's their pastor teaching them? Where's the spiritual authority? Don't get me wrong. I'm not mad at the people. I'm not putting the people down. I'm just saying, uh, what are they being taught? What's in their mindset to let some devil come and kill them? God didn't leave you here as fodder, cannon fodder for the devil. He didn't leave you here as a, as a dummy for the devil to beat up on. He didn't leave you here for the devil just to, just to punch and, and, and make bleed and torture and murder. He left you here as more than conquerors. Amen. Amen. He left you here in authority, in dominion. I don't want to preach on spiritual authority this morning. Here I'm going already headed that direction. It's hard for me not to get going there. But, but you, know, you know, even in the States, we've had these school shootings. They say, are you a Christian? Shoot them. Uh, not long ago in Charleston, there was a, the church on Wednesday night where some demon-possessed kid goes in there and sits with, with the pastor and about uh, 10 or 12 believers in there for over an hour and then pulls a gun out and kills them all. And again, my question is, how do they not know for an hour this kid's not is demon-possessed? What was the pastor teaching them? Now, of course, the pastor was killed himself, and I, I'm not down on him. I'm not putting him down. I'm not putting down those precious Christians. I'm just saying, where, what's the church teaching these days? You know, I've had guns. I've been shot at point-blank range. I've been shot at in a distance. I've had guns in my forehead. I've had guns in the back of my head. I've had knives to my throat. All that kind of stuff over all these years, and it just it doesn't work. You know, the, they ought to be able to say, when those guys knock at the door and say, are you a Christian? They ought to be able to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and my God's bigger than your God, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. If there's anybody going to die around here today, it's going to be you and not me. In the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? We, we ought to be rising up in spiritual authority instead of just saying, yeah, devil, just do whatever you want to. Yeah, I'm just a doormat. I'm just going to lay here and let you murder me and my wife and my baby. What? I want to tell you folks something. Maybe in the old days it didn't make a whole lot of difference where you went to church, but it makes a big difference today. I tell you what, if I lived in this area, this is where I'd go to church right here, Pastor Mike Webb, because I know what he teaches, I know what he preaches, I know what he believes, and, and, and it teaches you the authority and the dominion in Christ Jesus that we don't have to lay down, roll over, and play dead for the devil. Amen, Brother Terry. That's a good word. Just keep on preaching. Well, Well, thank you. Praise the Lord. That's not what we're preaching on today, but man, it's hard for me to get off of it. That's just the life I live. I mean, I, this missionary had to learn about the spirit of terrorism long before 9-11 ever happened, long before America ever knew anything about it. I've had to live with that spirit for years and years and years around the world where they're trying to kill me. Our State Department used to, used to write me letters and used to send me messages over years ago, I mean decades ago, and they'd say, uh, Reverend Myers, don't go to this country, this country, this country. I'd contact them back and say, I i got to go. I'm a missionary. That's what I do. I have to go. You know, I'm going to take my wife and four kids with me on some of them. And, and their answer was always interesting to me. I always thought it was so hilarious. Their answer was from the State Department. 
back to me. Their, their best advice was, well, try not to look like an American. <laughs> That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> try not to look like an American? You know, Mike and Beth are in Italy today. Uh, can you imagine Mike walking down the streets of Rome and nobody not knowing he's an American? <laughs> we just look different. We act different. We walk different. We think different. We're, we're from a free nation. We're, we're, we're Holy Ghost. I mean, you know, you can't hide that. can't hide that. Are y'all here? And we shouldn't have to hide it. That spirit, that terrorism is a spirit. I've said here that to you before. It's a spirit. And the only entity on the planet that can deal with the spirit is the church. The military can't do it. I love the military. I'm pro-military. I'm for military. But they can't do it. They can't handle the spirit. The government can't do it. They can't handle the spirit. You know, the Lions Club, the Kiwanis Club, the, the, the... Whoever else, you know, they, they can't handle the spirit. The police department can't handle the spirit. I'm, I'm pro-police. I'm for the police. They, they, can't, they can't handle the spirit. But, you know, every person in this place can handle the spirit. I mean, from the kids to the grandmas, to, we know how to deal. Because you go to the right church, we know how to deal with demon spirits. Amen, Brother Terry. That's true. And, you know, if you just go down the street to church, you know, the first church of the frozen chosen, <laughs> they may have good music and may have good programs for the kids and may have good this, may have good that, but can the pastor teach them to fight hell? Yeah, that's, it, right there. that's what you need to know. You need a pastor that can fight hell for you and teach you how to do it. Man, I've got to get off of this or I'm not going to ever get where I was going. Wow. I tell you, this, this is the stuff I live all over the world. The devil, the devil and I are in perfect agreement. I hate all hell and all hell hates me. We just, we just hate each other. Only nothing he can do about it. Isn't that right? Because we read the back of the book and we win. You know, I've got a young man that's a pastor friend, dear friend, in his 30s, pastor in a church. I guess he's pushing 40 now. And uh, he uh, first heard me speak when he was a teenager at age 13. And, I, and, and, and he was kind of a rebellious and didn't know which way he was going, what he was going to do, had no idea at 13 what he was going to do with his life and so on and so forth. But he's in a Christian school. His parents put him in a Christian school hoping that would help him. And, uh, and I came in to preach at the church, and the pastor said, would you speak to our children in, 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 our, in, our, children's, in, our, in our Christian school? Would you speak at chapel? Sure. And I went in there and started telling them some stories about raising the dead and healing the sick, casting out devils. And I told a particular story about being in, a, being in Thailand in a, in, in, and going into a Buddhist temple, and a bat attacked me. Just, a bat came out and attacked me. And, and just over and over and over, I mean, it just kept flying in my head, and I dug and it'd fly in my head, and I dug and it'd fly in my head. Finally, I, I got, you know, my Popeye spirit came out. I stands all I can stand and I can stand no more. And so I just stuck my finger over that bat, and I said, I, I said, you foul Buddhist bat, I curse you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command you to fly into that ceiling fan and kill yourself. There's only one ceiling fan in the whole building, and I'll back over at the, at the very end. And that bat just flew right up over my head, flew as straight as an arrow into that fan, whap. Went over into the right-hand side of the wall, whap, bloody trail down the wall into the floor. And a little Buddhist monk came over, you know, in his orange robes and bald-headed and swept the thing out the door. I went over to him, tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, buddy, that's what happens when a Buddhist bat runs into the name of Jesus. Now, now this kid, this 13-year-old kid sat there and heard that. And he said this, he said, if that guy can do that, I want to be on his team. And so he started traveling with me at an early age, started traveling with me to the mission fields, made a number of trips to the mission fields with me. And uh, then he married uh, the, uh, the pa- a pastor's daughter, and now he's a pastor himself. You know, he was a youth leader for a while, and, and uh, he got teenagers to support us in missions, you know, and send money to missions and send money to orphans. And, and, and now he's pastoring himself and one of the, you know, supporters of our, of our ministry. But, but that, that kind of thing is what, is what kids need to hear. Amen. They don't want to just hear three points in a poem. They don't want to just hear, well, the Lord bless you, keep you, 
It's kind of like King Saul saying to David, going out to fight Goliath, you know. And Saul said, well, the Lord be with you. Saul didn't believe that God was going to be with David. If he thought that, he had gone himself. I mean, he's the guy that should have been able to whip Goliath. Isn't that right? But see, that, that kind of power, that kind of authority, spiritual authority, that kind of dominion is what is what is going to reach people. It's what's going to reach the teenagers. You reach the youth, reach the kids, and it's what's going to uh, put power back in the church. Amen. Let me, let me get off this and get to where I was going, although my, I've eaten the clock up now to where I'm not going to be able to go a long way on it. But there's something just burned on the inside of me that, uh, that I want the church to get. I just, I so badly want the church to get this. I wish I could just go in churches and just walk, just go aisle to aisle to aisle and just open people up and pour it in them, you know, and just say, get, get this, get this. But, you know, as a, as, a, as a missionary, I've traveled all over the world in all these decades, and um, and I've been with people of all walks of life. I've been with people. I've been with the lepers and the leper colonies. I've been with the the, the sick and hurting and dying and bleeding. I've been with the the, the literate, the illiterate, the royalty, heads of state, uh, poor people. I, I I've been with everybody, all kind of languages and cultures and customs. People that wear clothes, people that don't wear clothes. You jungles, you know. I'm, I'm everywhere. And yet, I've observed in all these years with all those different people, I've observed that everybody on the planet is the same and that they all have to have the same thing. And they're what I've finally come to term as called the five basic needs of man. That it doesn't matter if you live in California or in Panama or in China. I was just in China a few weeks ago. I was in Mexico last week. Uh, and, and it came straight from there into Brother Copeland's ministry in Fort Worth. I mean, we're just with all kinds of people, and, and, and I've discovered that it doesn't matter where you live, what nation you live in, what continent you live You you need five things. You need a roof over your head. Do you all need that here in California? You need a roof over your head. You need clothes on your back. You need food on your table. You need to take care of your family. The Bible says if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. And you have to have a healthy body. Five things. And if, and if any of those five things get out of whack, get, get, get off-centered, get where they're not working, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. I mean, you don't have a roof over your head. Things can go downhill quick. Of course, I guess SoCal would be the place to be if you don't have a roof over your head. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe you could just set up shop on the beach. That'd be great. But although I hear they won't let you do much on the beach anymore these days. But anyway, um, roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on your table, take care of your family, and have a healthy body. Isn't that right? And, and as I travel, I see that. I see people that don't have those things die earlier. Are you here? Get sick, have problems, can't take care of themselves, can't get proper care. And yet those are such simple, simple, simple things. And then the Word of God has provided all of that. All of that, the answers to all of that's in the Word. I mean, God knew all that. Jesus said, My, the Father knows what you have need of before you ever ask. I mean, he said, look at the birds, and God takes care of the birds. Look at the flowers, he takes care of the flowers. I mean, he's sure going to take care of you. He, he knows what you need before you ever come to him. He, he understands that. And he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all that stuff will be added to you. But there's some spiritual laws that go along with those things that just make them work. And something I think the church has never really understood is that things are governed, things in the earth are governed by spiritual law. You know, the, the Buddhists call it karma. You hear somebody in America say, oh, that's bad karma. Or, oh, man, karma is terrible, isn't it? Well, they know what they're talking about. But, you know, you know the, Buddhists, the Buddhists call it karma. Some people call it payback. God calls it sowing and reaping. God said, don't, don't be deceived, don't be mocked. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. My great-grandmother said it like this. She said, son, whatever goes down the devil's back comes back up under his belly. I wasn't ever sure what all that meant, but she told me that a lot of times over the years. <laughs> that you're going to get what you sow. You're going to receive what you plant. You, if you, you must harvest 
If you're going to harvest, you must plant. If you're going to withdraw, you must deposit. It's just a law. It's just an absolute law of God. Now, the banks understand that. If you go down to the bank and try to withdraw where you haven't deposited, they'll put you in jail. Isn't that right? They don't mind you withdrawing if you've deposited, but if you hadn't deposited and go down there and try to withdraw, it gets you in trouble. No farmer in his right mind has ever, ever, ever woken up early in the morning and said to his wife, Honey, I think I'll go out and harvest the North 40 today. And she said, "Uh, You never planted the North 40. Yeah, but I intended to. Yeah, but I thought about it. Yeah, but I was going to. I was going to get around to that. It doesn't make any difference. If you didn't plant it, you're not going to harvest it. Those are just laws of God. There's a young man I've known for most of his life. He's, he's a, I won't say who he is because it goes out over television and everything else. But, uh, but I've known him, you know, all his life. And uh, he's wanted to be in the ministry, tried to be in the ministry lots of times over the years. And I've called him in and said to him several times, I said, son, he's not my son, but son, young man, um, you're just not a success, and you're not going to be a success. You'll never be a success because you violate spiritual laws all the time. You get up and preach to people that they have to do this, but you don't do it. You get up and preach to people they must do that, but you don't do it. You get up and tell people this is imperative, you do this, but you don't do it. You violate everything you tell people. You don't live what you preach. You don't preach what you live. That's why you've never been a success, and that's why you'll never, ever be a success until you change this. Now, you may think, boy, that sounds really mean, Derek. It sounds really hard. Well, I understand that, but it's the truth. And I started off years ago, you know, patty caking it and making it nicer and making it more palatable, but after you told him that, you know, three or 400 times, and he's still doing the same dumb stuff, I mean, you know, I mean, you know if you keep doing the same dumb stuff, you get the same dumb results. You still harvest what you sow. I mean, you still, you still reap what you harvest. You know? And if, if you reap dumb stuff, you're going to harvest dumb stuff. Oh, did I say that right? If you sow dumb stuff, you're going to harvest dumb stuff. You know, people have said for years that the, 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 the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and over, expecting to get a different result. And so finally you just get real plain with it and say, Hey, <laughs> you're not a success. You'll never be a success because... You violate these spiritual laws. And, you know, the church ought to be smart enough to understand that if we, if we go along with spiritual laws, observe spiritual laws, do what we're supposed to do, then we're going to get the proper results. The farmer knows if he goes out there and plants that field, he's going to receive a harvest. He knows if he doesn't go plant the field, he's not going to receive the harvest. Years ago, Oral Roberts called me one day. He, back when Oral lived in Tulsa, and he lived in, you know, California, lived out here in Newport Beach for the last... 25 years of his life or 30 years of his life. But uh, back when he lived in Tulsa, and, and, and we lived in Tulsa, he, he'd call me a lot. He and Evelyn would call, and, you know, we'd, and they'd say, come up and let's have coffee or come up and let's have lunch or come up and let's have dinner or come up and let's visit. And so we'd just drop whatever we were doing and run up to, run up to ORU and, you know, and run up to his office and just sit there and visit. And uh, one day I, he said to come up for lunch, and I ran up there, and, and we was just sitting there having lunch, and all of a sudden he made this statement. He said, Terry, Christians are the stupidest people on the planet. And I said, Brother Oral, why would you say that? I mean, you're a minister of the gospel and Christians are wonderful and Christians are great and Christians are God's people and that's our business and blah, 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 blah. And I said, why, why would you say something like that? He said, because Christians are the only people on the planet that eat their seed. And as soon as he said that, I knew it was truth. It's one of those aha moments, you know, you just... That's truth, because I've lived with I've lived with the Indian tribes in the jungle, and I've watched them uh, harvest and then put their seed over here and cover it up and never touch it. Doesn't matter how tough times get, uh, they will not touch the seed. They they'll take the other seed and eat it, and take the other seed and sell it, but they never touch the seed that's going to be planted, because they know if they touch that seed, even no matter how hungry they get, if they eat that seed, they're not going to have anything to plant come planting season. And if they don't plant anything come planting season, they're not going to have a harvest. Right? 
I mean, everybody on the planet knows that. Every Indian tribe that's never been to school has zero education of any kind except just the school of hard knocks and living, living in the jungle. But everybody on the planet knows that. You can't eat your seed. Right? Can't do it. And so as soon as Oral said that, I just said, Brother Oral, you're right. Christians are the stupidest people on the planet. Because we just don't understand the spiritual laws of it takes seed time to have harvest time. Amen, Brother Terry. That's a really good word. Well, thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's just a spiritual law. If we, if we don't plant, we don't harvest. It goes back to the golden rule. Do unto others, you'd have them do unto you. It goes back to the great commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that right? It goes back to all those Christian principles. It goes back to all the things Jesus said, that this is how you live on planet Earth. If you want this to happen, then you do this. If you want this to happen, then you do this. If you want this to happen, then you do this. But you can't do this and expect that to happen. Right? And yet we're living in such a crazy church world today where we've got preachers just preaching, oh, no, Jesus doesn't care how you live and doesn't care what you do. You just live like you want to and do what you want to and, uh, and, 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 you know, and you'll, you'll get blessed. That just doesn't work. Not one amen out of that. Not one. It just doesn't work. I, maybe that's hard to hear, and I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just saying, I'm trying to help you. I'm just saying it doesn't work. You can't just live like you want to and do like you want to and, and, and just ignore everything God said and then expect God to turn around and bless you. I've got friends, especially relatives, that live just like that, and you probably do too. I mean, some of them go out and just live like the devil all the time, and then they turn around and talk about, oh, I'm just praying that God will bless me. I'm saying, What? Are y'all here? Turn to Luke chapter 10. This, I would just love to get this. This is what I just love to be able to open people up and pour it in them and they'd really get this because this is something I learned at a really early age and thank God I did. Oh, thank God I did. I mean, after salvation and after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, thank God I learned this. Amen. Luke chapter 10, Jesus is speaking this. Because a young because a, a young lawyer came up to Jesus and tried to trap him and tried to tr- trick him and, and ask him a question. And he said, you know, how am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do? And, and Jesus said, well, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And he said, yeah, but who's my neighbor? And so Jesus answers him. Jesus says, starting at verse 30, Luke chapter 10, Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, anytime the Bible says certain, use that word certain, then this is not a parable. This is a real story. A few times, you know, Jesus told lots of parables. He talked about faith is like a seed or faith is like a tree or faith is like a, a field that where a pearl's planted. A lot, of, a lot of parables, a lot of analogies, a lot of metaphors, a lot of things like that. But anytime he says certain, then that really happened. That, that's, not a, that's not a metaphor or, a, or an, that's not an example. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a parable. It's, it's a real story about a real person. So he said, he said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And in the morning when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Now take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And then Jesus asked the question of the lawyer. He said, Now, which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said, Well, go you, go and do thou likewise. Now, Jesus said, you go and do just what the good Samaritan did. He said, this is the way this works. He said, this is, this is how to make this thing work. Now, now some of y'all, this has been my prayer since coming out here. I, I mean, I've had this church in my heart, and I've prayed about coming out here and prayed about ministering to you and just listening to the Holy Spirit about ministering to you, and even this morning. And, 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 I was, and, and I was just saying, my prayer, is, I even prayed this this morning for you, my prayer is that, is that 
weeks from now, months from now, years from now, some of y'all are going to come up to me and say, Brother Terry, that changed my life. I'm not talking about change your spiritual life or change you from a Christian, a sinner to a Christian. I'm talking about change, revolutionized your life to where something started working for you now that wasn't working before or working to a greater degree than it was working before. I mean, this, this message, this lifestyle I'm talking about this morning, this lifestyle literally changed my life. Now, I was already a Christian. I was already a spirit-filled Christian. I was uh, everything. But, but this got on the inside of me. And, and, of course, God added to it year after year after year after year. But, I mean, it got in, on the inside of me back as a teenager, as a teenager. And it developed and shaped my life the way I'd lived the rest of my life. And, and I could tell you testimony after testimony after miracle after miracle uh, just because of this. But I, I want this to so get on the inside of you that some of you, and I know not everybody's going to always get it, but, you know, I, I, I go into service and I look out there and I say, there's a Terry Mine sitting out there somewhere. There's somebody just like me that was hungry, that was wanted it, that had eye of the tiger, that had passion, that said, I'm going to make this thing work. So there's some of y'all sitting out there that are going to get it, and you're the ones I'm preaching to. Everybody else, I love you, and you'll, have, you'll just come to a nice Sunday morning church service, and that's great. But some of you, some of you are going to so get a hold of this, it's going to revolutionize your life. And uh, I believe you'll come up and tell me in the future, say, Brother Terry, that, that, because of that, then this and this and this and this and this has happened. All right? Jesus talks here about, about three philosophies of life or three concepts of life that people live by. That's why he said there at the end of his story, he said, which of these three? He gave three examples. He said, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And so he talked to us about three types of people or three philosophies of life or three concepts of life. First, he started off with the thieves. They had thieves back in those days. I mean, even though we still have thieves today. And, and so he started off with the thieves. And he said, thieves came out and robbed this guy, beat him up, took everything that he had, including his clothes, and left him naked on the side of the road, uh, bleeding and half dead. Now, the thieves' philosophy of life back in those days is still the thieves' philosophy of life and concept of life today in 2015, and that's this. Whatever is thine is mine, and I'll get it by whatever means necessary. I mean, they sit around thinking up ideas how they can cheat you. They sit around thinking up ways, how can I steal from these people? You know, you know, I've seen I've seen interviews on 60 Minutes and 48 Hours and all those news shows over all these decades, just like I'm sure you have, where Barbara Walters or, 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 or I mean, any reporter over the years has gone into prisons and interviewed some of these guys. And, and, and they're not even repentant. They're not even sorry. Some of them will just say, well, I just robbed from rich people. They had insurance. didn't hurt them. I mean, that's just their philosophy. It didn't hurt them. I just took the people. It didn't, it didn't hurt them. They, they, they could, you know, it's okay. I mean, they convince themselves that you owe them a living. Isn't that right? doesn't matter that you've worked hard all your life, that you've saved, that you've done all these things. They just feel like, well, you know, I, I have the right to take what you've got. What's, what, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to get it by whatever means necessary, by hook or crook. I'm getting your stuff. And that's the philosophy that thieves have. Now, certainly nobody in the church has that philosophy of life. Thank God, thank God, thank God. But that's one philosophy. That's one concept of life, the thieves. The second concept of, uh, of life or philosophy of life was the religious men. Remember Jesus said a, 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 a priest came down that way and a Levite came down that way, which is where the priests come from. The priests come from the tribe of Levite. And he said, so a priest came down this way, saw the man in trouble. A Levite came down this way, saw the man naked and bleeding and wounded and half dead over there. And he said, he said they just passed by on the other side. Now, we don't know why they passed by on the other side. Maybe they thought the thieves were still lurking around and would jump on them and rob them. I mean, who knows what they thought? Maybe they were late for a church service and they were just so busy working like the devil for the Lord. They were trying to get, to get to church and don't have time to help people. We don't know what they were thinking. But whatever they were thinking, Jesus didn't appreciate what they did. Isn't that right? But he said they had a concept of life. Their philosophy of life, their concept of life is the same as people have today. And that is what's mine is mine. And I'm not going to share with you. What's mine is mine. You keep your hands off of it. Isn't that right? They could have stopped and helped him. Everybody that walked in those days had their own little leather pouch of oil and wine and bandages, and, and they could have stopped and helped him just like the Samaritan did, but they didn't. They didn't share with him. What's mine is mine, and you leave it alone. And not only do we have people that today in church, Christians that live that way, 
But they live that way not only with mankind, not only with their brother and sister in the Lord, but they live that way with God. Now, Lord, you can, you, you can save my soul, but you leave my money alone. Lord, I need a healing. You can heal my body, but now don't talk to me about tithe and offerings. Isn't that right? Lord, what's mine is mine, and you leave it alone. I'm not sharing with you. I'm not sharing with anybody. It's mine. I worked for it. It's mine. Well, you can have that philosophy of life. It just, just doesn't go real well. And then Jesus said a third philosophy of life or a third concept of life was this Samaritan. Now, now Samaritans and Jews didn't mix. I mean, Samaritans were what they called back in those days a half-breed, and they, you know, they were a mixed race, and they, and they didn't mix with the Jews. The Jews didn't appreciate them. In fact, Jesus didn't even told his disciples. If you'll remember in Mark chapter 10, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus actually told his disciples, he said, now, don't you even preach to the Samaritans. He said, in fact, don't you even go into a city of the Samaritans. He said it like this, into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. That's pretty plain, isn't it? He said, we don't mix with Samaritans. Now, of course, after he died on the cross and we got a new covenant, he totally changed all that. He said, now go to the whole world. He said, both Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 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 the Samaritans, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So the covenant changed that. The new covenant changed that. But, uh, but Samaritans weren't, weren't well thought of. But Jesus said, here comes this Samaritan. And he said, he saw the guy over there naked and, and half dead. And so he went to him, had compassion on him, went to him and took out his own uh, oil and wine, set him on his own beast of burden. After he cleaned him up and bandaged him up, he put him on his own donkey or his own beast of burden, took him down to the local hotel, gave the guy his credit card to put it on my bill. Whatever he needs to sign to the room, that's fine. Whatever he needs, I'll take care of the, I'll take care of the expense. And Jesus was impressed with that. Why? Because that was Jesus' lifestyle. Isn't that right? That's God's lifestyle. Are you here? Because this Samaritan's philosophy of life, our concept of life, is the same as God's, the same as Jesus's, and that is this. What's mine is thine, and you can have it if you need it. What I have belongs to you, and if you need it, I'll just share with you. Amen? See, God's nature, God's nature is giving. God, God is a giver by nature. His character is giving. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Even healings and miracles came from God's heart of giving. See, when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, they didn't need healings and miracles because there wasn't any sickness. But when the devil, when Adam committed treason and the devil came along and brought the sin, brought sin and brought the curse and brought sickness and disease, then God invented healings and miracles. He didn't need them before, but now, now we need them. And so he invented healings and miracles to give to us to combat what the devil was going to come along and try to kill us with. Because he's a giver. Everything he does is giving. Everything Jesus did was giving. Are you here? Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20 says this. It says, it says uh, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children. In other words, James and John's mama. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children, worshiping him and requiring a certain thing of him. And he saith unto, how, unto her, What wilt thou? Or what do you want? And she said, Grant that these my two sons may set the one on my right and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. And he said, uh, You don't know what you ask. He said, are you able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of and be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? They said, yes, Lord, we're able. James and John said, yes, Lord, we're able. And he said, well, you are indeed going to drink of the cup I drink out of and, and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. He said, but for you to sit on my, my right and on my left is not mine to give but my Father's which is in heaven. And then the other ten disciples got mad at James and John. He said they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. They're mad at James and John now. And then Jesus said this, listen, guys, that's not how I want my kingdom to operate. That's not how this works. That's the way the world works. He said, he said in the world, the big shots lawyered over the little shots. He said, I don't want it to be that way. If you want to be great in my kingdom, be small. If you want to be big, be little. If you want to sit at the front, sit at the back. If you want to live, you got to die. If you want to receive, you got to give. Everything's backwards with God to our way of thinking. 
Everything today in our way of thinking is totally backwards to God's way of thinking. Only I don't know why we aren't smart enough to realize, you know what? He's always made his way work. So it seems like to me I'm going to chunk what I've been thinking and start thinking like he thinks and start acting like he acts and start talking like he talks. You know, you have, you have two choices on the planet. You can talk like God talks and everybody will think you're weird, but you'll be blessed in the work. Or you can talk like the devil talks and everybody else will think you're cool because you just like them and talk like them and stuff won't work for you just like it didn't work for them. Isn't that right? See, Jesus, and he went on to tell, to tell James and John, he said, if you want to be great, be, be small. If you want to be a minister, be a servant. And he said this, he said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. I didn't come here to be ministered to. I came here to minister, guys. That's what Jesus told them. And to give my life a ransom for many. See, that was his lifestyle. That was Jesus' philosophy of life. That's his concept of life is I came here to give. I came here to die for you. I didn't come here to take something from you. I came to add something to you. Amen? I didn't come to take something from you. I came to add something to you. You know, when pastor stands up and receives tithes and offerings, he's not trying to take something from you. He's teaching the word, teaching you the word where you can act on the word and it'll work for you and bless you and add something to you. When God asks you for something, by the way, don't get scared. I'm not going to take up an offering. You're cool. But when God asks you for something, it shouldn't scare you. It should excite you. Knowing that if he's asking you for something, that he's already planning to multiply it back to you. He never asks you to give something so he can take it away from you. He never asks you to do something just to cost you your time and just to take up your time. He's wanting to multiply something back to you. It's a way of life. It's a philosophy, a concept of life. Not that the thieves live, not that the religious men live, but that the good Samaritan lives, that Jesus lives, that God lives. And that ought to be our absolute goal in life to live that same way. I call it living to give. Living to give. We're on the planet for one purpose, to bless, to help, to give, to love, to embrace, to lift. Jesus came with a threefold mission, didn't he? Love, light, and life. He came to love. He came to bring light. He came to bring life. That's what we ought to be about, love, light, and life. We love people. We're going to light up the way. We're the light of the world, Jesus said. We don't hide our candle under a bushel, but we got to get out there and shine. Love, light, and life. Jesus said, Jesus said, the thief, the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. That's what he's about. That's his purpose. He said, but I have come. Thank God Jesus has come. John 10, 10. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Well, that's our job. If he came to give life, we came to give life. If he came to give light, we came to give light. If he came to give love, we came to give love. That's what we're about. That's what he's about. It worked for him. Amen? And it works for us. Three philosophies of life. The thieves, what's thine is mine, and I'll get it by whatever means necessary. The religious men, uh, what's mine is mine, you leave it alone. Lord, this is my car. Lord, this is my house. Lord, this is my fishing equipment. Lord, these are, this is my jewelry. Lord this is, Lord, this is mine, 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 mine. Did you ever notice a baby? I love babies. I mean, I, I said to, to, to Shane and Garrett yesterday, I said, you know, if the world was like babies, it'd be a better place. And I, I played with Jack the whole way from the airport. I don't know what Shane and Renee and Garrett did, but I played with the baby the whole way from LAX, you know. And, uh, but, but, you know, babies, if you watch a baby... Nobody has to teach them to be stingy. It's automatic. Nobody has to teach them to be selfish. It's automatic. One of the first words they learn is mine. I mean, little bitty guys. You start to get, you start to bring them some or get them, get them something from them. They, mine, 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 mine. You never have to teach them that. It just comes automatic. It's built in. 
You don't have to teach them to hoard. You don't have to teach them to be stingy. You don't have to teach them to be selfish. It's an automatic thing. They just, they just mine, 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 mine. Just like the religious men. It's mine. What you have to teach them that's unnatural for them is to give. How many times have you told your little tykes you're supposed to share? You're supposed to share, but we're going to share. Here, here, you've got one, now we're going to give him one. Y'all ever been there? Hey, come on, I had four kids, I got eight grandkids. Renee and I between us have 14 grandkids. Now, and you teach them, you don't teach them to be stingy, they're just automatic. But you teach them to share and to be liberal. God said the liberal soul shall be made fat. God said, there, there's that guy that gives and he's still blessed. There's that guy that gives and he's still got a whole bunch. Well, that's me. That's you. The more I give away, the more I get back. The more, more seed I sow, the, more, the bigger the harvest is. See, Jesus came to this planet looking to give, wanting to give, desiring to give. Wanting to bless, wanting to love, wanting to lift, wanting to care, wanting to share. Well, that's what we do. That's what Christians do. How can I bless somebody today, Lord? A couple of years ago, my son and I, Lynn and I flew into Miami, Florida, and we was going to go preach for a pastor that's a partner of ours, a good guy. And, uh, and, and so Lynn got in the front seat with the pastor, and I got in the back seat by myself, you know, and we were pulling out a... MIA, I put out of Miami International Airport and out of the parking lot, so we come up to the toll booth to, to pay for the parking. And uh, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of booths there. And, and so he pulls up into, Pastor pulls up into the booth that, that's for credit cards. And, and, so, uh, and so he takes his ticket and sticks it in the machine to see how much money he owes so he can, so he can pay to, to get out of the parking lot. But the machine ate his ticket. And so uh, he said, Ah, what am I going to do? The machine ate my ticket. And I said, well, there's another booth down there. And he said, yeah, but that's cash only. I don't have any cash on me. And he looked at Lynn. Lynn said, well, I don't have any cash on me either. And I said, well, don't worry about it, guys. I got cash. I got cash. Oh, no, Brother Terry, you can't pay for this. No, no, no. I said, it's either me pay for it or we spend the night here. <laughs> I mean, the machine ate your ticket. We got to get out of here. So, you, you, you know, we got to go down and talk to them and, and tell them the machine ate your ticket and, and then pay to get out of here. And... Uh, and, and, and so he just didn't really want me to pay at all, but he, he well, well, oh, 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 okay, I guess, I guess we'll do that. And so he started driving over to the booth where, the, where you pay cash. And I said to him, I said, you know why you boys don't have any cash on you? He said, well, no. And I said, because you're not givers. <laughs> they said, What? Pastor turned and said, Brother Terry, I promise you, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. And he said, Dad, you, and then said, Dad, you know I'm a giver. I said, no, you're not. You guys aren't givers. You guys aren't givers. I said, the reason you carry plastic and, and on purpose you never carry any cash is because when you pull up on the highway and there's somebody hungry needing some food, you can, you can, you can sear your conscience by saying, oh, I don't have any cash. And you see a beggar and you say, oh, I don't have any cash. I just got plastic. Too bad. Sorry. I said, you ought to always carry cash. I said, I've always got cash. Because you want to bless somebody, you want to help somebody, you want to minister to somebody, you want to, you want to, you ought, you ought to always, now I'm not fussing at all if you, you know, I'm just telling you what I said to Lynn and to this pastor and, and, and it may sound funny, but it's true. If all you're doing is carrying plastic, you can't help everybody that needs to be helped. Isn't that right? Well, brother, what if they're a professional beggar? Well, what if they are? Hey, come on, I'm a missionary. I, I, I live with professional beggars in third world countries. Man, I go to Mexico and India and Africa, all these 58 nations of Africa and all these different, and, and there's beggars everywhere. And, and, you know, sometimes they just are professional beggars, but that's not my problem. That's their problem. I used to tell Jackie and the kids that when, when they were little, I'd say, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather give and miss it than not give and miss it. Amen? I'd rather give to somebody, you know, maybe they didn't really need it, than to not give to somebody that really did need it. But you know the Holy Ghost to help you out on that. The Holy Ghost to help you spot people. He'll tell you if it's the real deal or not. 
But see, there's that God's nature is to give. God's character is to give. Jesus' nature was to give. His character was to give. Well, if we're going to be like him, if we're Christians, Christ-like ones, imitators of King Jesus, then our nature is to give. Our, 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 our reason for being on the planet is to bless somebody. Bless somebody. You know, you could get some people to come to church just by saying, hey, hey, I, I, want, to, I want to run by this Sunday and pick you up, uh, take you to church. And, and you know, after church, we'll go to lunch. I'll buy you lunch. I mean, it's going to cost you lunch. But you may change their life. You may change their life. Just for the price of a lunch. <laughs> are, y'all, are y'all here? I know it's a different concept to the human race because we're programmed to go the other direction. We're programmed to be like the baby. Mine, 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 mine. We're programmed to be like the, to be like the religious man. What's mine is mine. But see, you don't find that anywhere in the Word of God. You know, I remember when I was a teenager and the church started talking about, you know, uh, nobody in those days used the word prosperity. They were talking about, well, you know, God didn't want you to have money and, you know, God wants you poor, and God wants you sick, and 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 and, and people that have money are bad people. And I mean, that was kind of the philosophy of the church for a lot of years, you know. And I remember as a teenager hearing that a lot, and so I thought, well, you know what? I've heard what they say, but I wonder what God says about that. I've got a little book called God's Opinion of You. I don't think we've got any back there because they were giving them away at Brother Copeland's ministry last last week. So, but uh, uh, is, what what does God think? God's opinion. What's God's opinion? I always want to know what's God's opinion. Not what's your opinion, my opinion. What does God think about this? So I remember I went to the book of Proverbs. And I, and I remember saying to myself as a teenager, you know, Solomon was the wisest man on the planet. I mean, Solomon was the wise. The Bible says he's the wisest man on the planet. And so, you know, I, I've, just, I've, re, I've read Proverbs all my life. You know, I know, it's a simple little deal. I'm sure most of you all do it. But, you know, you just go to the corresponding day of the week. What is the day? The 8th. So you read Proverbs 8. You know, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So just you, you can just read through Proverbs every month and pick up some golden nuggets from the wisest guy on the planet. Isn't that right? And so I've just always done that. And so I, I, I said to myself as a teenager, I said, I'm going to go over and see what Solomon had to say about money and poverty. He, he was mega rich. He was so rich he threw his silver out the back door in, in, in piles. He didn't, he didn't keep it. That's how rich he was. So let's see what he has to say about poverty, and let's see what he has to say about wealth, which is all inspired of the Holy Ghost, according to the Word of God, that all Scripture is inspired or given to us by the Holy Spirit. So, so... Let's go see what he thought. And I just went to Proverbs. You can do it yourself. And I just went through the whole book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, seeing every time I found the word prosperity or increase or blessing or, or, or any of that kind of, any of those kind of words. And then any time I found the word poverty or poor and any of those kind of words, and I just made me a list, you know, made me a pro and a con list, a prosperity and poverty list. And, and, and by the time I got through the chapter, it was very, 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 very obvious. I didn't need to hit, listen to anybody else. I knew what God thought about poverty. He doesn't like it. And I knew what God thought about prosperity. He does like it, but he doesn't want you to be stingy with it. Isn't that right? And he said a few little things like, like the sluggard, I mean the lazy person, won't work by reason of the cold because it's too cold to work, and he, and he comes to poverty. It says a little slumber, a little sleep, a little fold of the hands, you come to poverty. And so pretty soon I got this idea that God says, hey, this the lazy person that's going to come to poverty. It's the person who won't work that's going to come to poverty. It's the person that sleeps all day is going to come to poverty. But yet all those scriptures about blessing and increase and prosperity, he was happy about. Amen? And so I, I changed my tune right then, uh, contrary to what the church was preaching, and said, you know what, God, God, God's opinion of this is that he wants to bless people. He wants us to be blessed. Amen. Amen. Turn over to, to Luke chapter, what time is it? It's, oh, man, I need to quit. It's 1130. Y'all getting anything out of this? It's a, don't quit, thank you. It's a lifestyle, a lifestyle. That, that I picked up on at an early age and it improved it as time went on, learned some more about it and some more about it as time went on. And, and I shifted to several different situations. I, I, I learned something. Let me say this to you and we'll bring this all to a close. But I, I learned something that, that there's people on this planet 
that all over the world that are just living to live. They're just here because they're breathing. They're just here because they're here. They have no purpose in life. They get up in the morning, go to work, home at night, go to bed, get up in the morning, go to work, home at night, go to bed, get up in the morning, go to work, home at night, go to bed. Or maybe they don't work at all. Maybe they just get up in the morning, go to bed at night. And just, there's just no point to their life. There's no purpose in their life. They're miserable. They're just what I call living to live. The only reason they're here is because they're still breathing. But there's no function. There's no purpose. There's no point. There's, no, there's nothing. But I discovered that in church, there are people that give the same way. They're just giving to give. There's no point in their giving. There's no purpose in their giving. There's no faith behind their giving. There's no expectation or excitement about their giving. They don't mind giving. They go to church and the pastor says, it's time to take up an offering. And they say, okay, great. I don't have a problem with that. I'll, I'll be glad to give an offering. They, they reach in their pocket and they grab, you know, maybe the same offering they've been giving for 30 years. Maybe they start out with a dollar, you, you know, 30 years ago, they're still giving a dollar. Maybe they start out with five, they're still giving five or 10. They're still giving. You know, it ought, it ought to increase over the years. How many of you know bread's increased over the years? Gasoline's increased over the years. Milk's increased over the years. Isn't that right? Everything's increased over the years, but some, some, I mean, but sometimes our offerings never and never increase. We're still giving the same offering we gave 30 years ago. People get it out, you know, sometimes they fold it real small. Just fold it and 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 fold it. Some of y'all that count the offerings at church will know what I'm talking about. You need, a, you need an iron to iron those things out. I don't know why they do it, but they do. Man, they just fold it and fold it and fold it and fold it. And, uh, and the offering bucket comes by, and they just put it in a bucket. Don't think I'm worth in the world about it. There's no faith in it. There's no excitement about it. They're, they're not mad about it, they're, but they're not happy about it. They're just, they're just giving because they, they're in church. They say, oh, yeah, I ought to give. Pastor said give. Yeah, I ought to give. They have a problem with giving. But they don't put any faith on it. So they're just giving to give. Well, I remember when I was 19 years old, Oral Roberts wrote a book. Some of y'all will know this book. Oral Roberts wrote this book in 1969 this, uh, called The Miracle of Seed Faith. And in The Miracle of Seed Faith, I was 19 years old, and I read it, and it literally changed my life. Because I went from giving to give, which is what I was doing, because as a little boy, Mama said, you need to give offerings pay tithes, and Pastor said, you need to give offerings pay tithes. So I said, sure, no problem with that. I'll give offerings pay tithes. But, but I didn't expect back from it. I didn't pray over it. I didn't have any faith on it. I, I just did it because I was a Christian and because Pastor said you ought to do it, and Mama said you ought to do it. And the Bible says you ought to do it. Isn't that right? I remember one time my mama told me, now, Terry, you need to pay your tithes, but now don't you dare expect anything back from God. It's like, don't you put any pressure on God. And I said, yes, ma'am, it's fine. So I would. I'd pay my tithes all my life, give my offerings all my life, and I was a decent giver. You know, I mean, even as a teenager, you know, I'd, I'd give some good, pretty good offerings. I remember one time I was youth leader of our church, and I walked in church one night on youth night, and, I had, and the pastor was at service that night, and I happened to walk past pastor's car, and, and, and I looked at his tires, and all four tires on that car, I walked all the way around the car looking at all four of them, and they were all just slick, just all bald, no tread on them whatsoever. In West Texas, we call those Maypops. Because they just may pop any any moment. <laughs> you, you don't want to be sitting on the fender when they pop. You, it puts you in orbit, you know. But uh, but I was just walking by and I looked at the tire and it was it was slick. And so I looked at the other tire and it was slick. So I walked around the other side and I looked at those new tires and they were slick. And so I just walked in my youth service and told my teenagers, told my kids, and I was probably seventeen at the time, sixteen, seventeen at the time. And uh, and I said, you know what? I said uh, I, I'm embarrassed. I said, my, my parents and your parents are embarrassing me. I said, my parents and your parents are elders of the church and leaders in the church, pillars of the church, and yet I just passed pastor's car and he's got four Maypops on them. And I said, I don't understand why our parents haven't done something about that. So we're just going to do it. The youth group's going to do it. And I said, I said, you know, I can buy, my granddad works for an oil company and a gas, gas company. And I can buy tires at, at cost. I said, I'll just buy the tires at cost. There'll be no profit involved. And, and, and I'll go put them on myself. be no labor involved. And we'll just, we're just going to buy a pastor a set of tires. That means five, not four. Right? And so those kids, those teenagers, we just, we just gave the money that night. And I went over and bought these tires and put them on pastor's car. So, so giving's never been a problem for me. I've always loved giving. I don't have a problem. Again, it's just it's built in us as a Christian to give. But I wouldn't expect anything back. And Mama told me not to expect anything back. The pastor said don't expect anything back. But when Will Roberts wrote that book, he said there's three keys 
to serving God and giving to God. He said, number one, realize God's your source. I mean, the air you breathe is God's. The blood that pumps through your veins is God's. Your God's. Everything belongs to God. God's your source. If you get something, it's from God. And he said, number two, give first. Give first. No farmer harvests first and then plants. Every, har- every farmer plants first, then harvests. You give, most Christians say, oh, God, I'm happy to give. Give me some money and I'll give it. The Lord says, no, it doesn't work that way. You give me some money, I'll multiply it back to you, and then you can give some more. And I'll multiply that back, and you can give some more. And I'll multiply that back, and you can give some more. But we're not doing the create something out of nothing thing. We're taking what you sow and multiply it according to the Word of God. Does that make sense to you? And so uh, he said, expect, number one, God's your source. Number two, give for number three. He said, expect a miracle. And he said, that's where Christians are missing. It's 1969. Oral Roberts said, this is where Christians are missing. He said, they're giving their money, they're paying their tithes, but they're not expecting anything. And he said, no farmer ever plants a field without expecting a harvest. He said, it's a law of God that if you plant, you you sow. He said, even the bankers know it's a law. And so farmers can go to a bank and say to the banker, hey, I've got so many acres and I need so much seed to plant in so many acres, and if I plant so much seed in so many acres, I'll reach this much, I'll reap this much harvest. And the banker said, yeah, I know that. That's a law. So he'll, he'll actually loan them money to buy that much seed, right? Because it's a law. And he said, every farmer plants for harvest, understanding harvest, understanding he's going to get back more than he planted. Well, that, that, Mark, that changed my life. I mean, I was a Christian anyway, and I was a giver anyway, and I was a tither anyway, but that changed my life on receiving because all of a sudden, I never gave another offering again from that day to this without praying over it and putting faith on it. Instead of just when the offering bucket passed by and I just dropped it in there and didn't think a thing in the world about it, didn't mind giving, didn't begrudge giving, but didn't think about it, didn't put any faith on it. And that all changed to where I said, Oh, Father, this is seed. This is seed, and I'm going to plant it in this good soil of this church, of this ministry. I'm going to plant this in missions. Or I'm going to plant this in the building fund. Or I'm going to plant this in, in whatever pastor's doing and telling us about. I'm going to plant this seed, and I'm expecting a harvest. I'm expecting this seed to return a harvest. You said if I give, it'll be given me again good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, Luke 6:38. You said if, if I give in 2 Corinthians 9, you said if I give, God will take the seed that I sow and multiply that seed and give it back to me again. Isn't that right? Paul said to the Philippians that, that, that when they were his missionary partners, and he said to, he wrote in, in, in the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, and he said, you Philippians know that you're the only church that, 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 that partnered with me in giving and receiving. And you Philippians, you sent once and again, I mean more than once, you sent once and again, even when I was doing the crusade in Thessalonica, he said the Thessalonians didn't pay for that, you Philippians did. And he said, because of that, verse 19, because of that, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so we realize that was an an apostle's blessing on the partners saying, just like a pastor's blessing on the the church people saying, we're going to take your seed sown and God's going to multiply that and return it to you. So it changed my concept. It changed my lifestyle. I went from giving just to give. So I went into a situation of what Brother Oral taught me of giving in order to live. If I had a bill, and at 19 I got drafted in the U.S. Army, so all of a sudden I went from owning my own business, making good money. Jackie being a dental technician, me owning my own business, we were making good money. I went from being in the Army where they was paying me $128 a month, and I had bills that I couldn't pay, but what we'd do every month is take an offering and send it back home to, to the church, to the local church, our pastor, and we'd pray over that and say, Father, this is seed. We're sowing this because we have to make these payments. There's no way to make these payments on military pay. So, so we're, we're, we're planting a seed, expecting a heart. And God started multiplying it when we were in the, when in the army. I mean, not when we were preachers, when we were in the, in the army. And so we moved from giving to give. We moved up into giving in order to live. That'll work for you. But then, back in the, in the, as soon as we got out of the army and moved to Mexico as missionaries, we met a, a missionary family, Wayne and Martha Myers. Wayne's 93 now, and Ms. Martha's 87. We was just down there to see them uh, a week or so ago. And, uh, and, and they weren't doing what I was doing. They weren't giving just in order to live, but they were doing the reverse of that. They literally were living in order to give. They were just looking for places to bless, you know, 
And, 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 and we just embraced that. We said, you know what? This is the greatest thing we've ever seen in our life. We're going to embrace this same lifestyle that from now on we're, we're living to give. We're looking for a place to bless. How can I bless? How can I help? Who can I bless? Who can I minister to? How, you, know, you, you know, people that get into the word like this, uh, you know, Christians and givers, I mean, you know, we're fighting to, we're not fighting to get away from paying the check. We want to pay the check. We hold the door over somebody. We, you know, how can I bless you? How can I give? How can I, how can I do something for you? And that's a lifestyle that, that I encourage you to investigate from the Word of God. I'm not near through with this subject. I, I've got lots to say about it, but the, I am going to let you go. But you, you, I just, you investigate it. You investigate it. You watch what happens this next year. If you if you shift from living just giving just in order to live, which will work. You got a need, you give an offering, pray over it. God will bless you back, and you can meet your need. That'll work. But you can shift up higher to say, you know what, Lord, we're we're just we're a vessel to give. You tell us where to give. You tell us how to give. We wanna we wanna be we wanna be. You know you know all through the Bible, there's been a man or a group of men or a woman or a group of people that that were the answer. God always sent a man or a woman or a group of people to, to be the answer. Sent, sent, sent Elijah to the widow woman so she could feed him, but also so she could be blessed and stay alive because she and her son were going to die. But her cruise of oil and meal began to multiply because she gave to the prophet first. And she lived for a whole year because of that, off that cruise of oil and meal. There was only enough, she said, for two cakes. That's what she said to Elijah. She said, she said, I've only got enough oil, enough meal to make two cakes, one for me and one for my son, and we're going to die. He said, no, lady, make cake for me first. She said, given first, given first. And he said, and after, make one for your son and yourself. See, now there's an after. A while ago, there wasn't an after. She's going to die. Her son's going to die. But he said, no, you give to me first, and after, then you make one for yourself and one for your son. So she thought she only had enough meal and oil for two cakes, but the Bible says that prophet moved in with her. The Bible says he lived with her for a year. Scandal in the church. Uh-huh. Well, if ABC, NBC, CBS got a hold of that, my goodness. Prophet moves in with a widow woman, takes her money. But, you know, he lived there for a year. So every morning if she got up and made three cakes, him, the prophet herself and her son for three cakes for breakfast, three cakes for lunch, three cakes for dinner, nine cakes a day, times 365 days a year. What is that? 2,800, what is it? Well, anyway, you can figure that up. 365 times nine. And she thought she only had enough for two. And she had enough for, to feed the, the three of them for a year because it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Living to give. Again, some of y'all, this went over your head today, and I'm sorry, I wish it wouldn't, but some of y'all got just what you need to change your life, and you'll come say to me in the future at some point, Brother Terry, that changed my life. And here's the result of it. Here's the Here's the success I've had over the years. Here's the money I've made over the years. Here's the blessings I've had over the years because of that lifestyle. See, it's a lifestyle. Not, we don't want the lifestyle of the thieves. Nobody here has that lifestyle. I'm going to take what you got. No, no. But many Christians do have the philosophy of the religious man. It's mine. Leave it alone. Let's don't do that. Let's change and have the philosophy of the Samaritan. The philosophy of Jesus says what's mine is thine, and you can have it if you need it. Father, and, and if you can't live that way with mankind, I get that. Start with God. Father, you can have whatever you want. Don't let that scare you. See, the blood covenant is when people get covenant in a tribe, then they, they mingle their blood together. That says whatever I have is yours, whatever you have is mine. Well, God cut that blood covenant with us. And so, so many Christians say to God, hey, whatever you got is mine. We cut covenant. God says, that's right, but whatever you have is mine. Now, why that scares us, I don't know because he's got more than we've got. I don't know why that scares us to tell God, hey, everything I got is yours because he's got more than we've got and everything he's got is ours. But it has to be a two-way street. So I challenge you. I challenge you. I challenge you today. I encourage you. I beg you. I entreat you today. Give this an investigation. Look at it into the Word. Look at all the scriptures I gave you and and, uh, uh, begin to live to give, to live with an open heart and an open hand. You can't receive with a closed heart and a closed hand. And you can't give with a closed heart and a closed hand. But if you live with an open heart and an open hand, 
you'll also receive with an open heart and an open hand. Amen. Go ahead and stand up with me. Did you get something out of this this morning? Well, it's 11.43, almost 12 o'clock, so uh, if you set your beans to burn at 12, well, I, I think you're, you're going to be cutting it close. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this great church. Thank you for Pastor Mike and for Beth and the family. Thank you for the people that go here, committed, faithful Christians, men and women of God. Father, I've prayed today that I've put this word out the way that you gave it to me. Not just some canned sermon, but the word that you gave me of a lifestyle I've lived since I was 19 years old. That I began to live when I was 19, learn more about it and more about it, and, and still working on it today. But living to give, living to give, living to give. On this planet to be a blessing. On this planet to love and lift and care and share and embrace. Father, there's some people in this congregation today. It'll work for all of them. But there's some people in this congregation today that are going to make it work. They're going to, they've absolutely got a revelation today that they say, I am going to embrace this, live this way. They'll say, as I said way back all those years ago, from this day forward, this is how I'm going to live. And they'll begin to see the results of it. They'll begin to see that God's word's true. That you are no man's debtor. That you are the great giver and the great blesser. And I thank you for it. Thank you for a church of blessing and increase. A church of prosperity. Father, not just prosperity for prosperity's sake, but prosperity for the gospel's sake. Lord, that we know where our needs end and our greeds begin. That we're not just trying to get more and more and more and say like a little baby, mine, 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 mine. But we're here to say, Father, how can we help? How can we bless? How can we get involved? That we can come up to Pastor Mike and grab his coattail and say, Pastor, you pastor this thing and we're going to back you. You go ahead and lead this thing and we're going to back it in help and prayer and finance. We're, gonna, we're, we're with you. Jonathan's armor bearer said to him, said, Jonathan, you go and do all that's in your heart. I'm with you. I'm with you. And he followed along with him and they attacked the whole garrison of the Philistines, just the two of them, and, and killed all those enemies, just the two of them. Help us to be like that armor bearer and say, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Pastor. You do what's in your heart, and I, I'm with you. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray the blessings of God, the increase of God, the prosperity of God, the blessings of God on every person in this place today. I say they're blessed coming in and blessed going out and blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed in the basket and blessed in the store and blessed is everything they put their hand to, that as they give to you, Father, they'll reap that you'll take their seed sown and bless it and multiply it and increase it and that you'll prosper them and prosper them and they'll be able, here we are almost at the end of the year, they'll be able to look back at the year next year when we get a year from now and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done in this last year because of the lifestyle we embraced of living to give. And I thank you for it. Father, I thank you for it and give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the majesty and dominion in the majestic name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen.